everyone, and welcome to the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 137, The Book of Atlassian. I am your resident protocol droid, Ryan Spilkan, and joining me today are our very own Ahsoka Tano, Brenda Burrell, and Cad Bane himself, Matthew Stubblefield. Matthew, Brenda, may the force be with you. <laughs> I thought Brenda was going to respond first, but no, she can't. I don't even know what to do with that appellation. That was unplanned, and I don't know if I'm insulted or pleased. All I know is I'm an old friend of the family. Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice, very nice, very nice. Clearly, we have been paying attention to the Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett. So um, if Star Wars jokes fall out of our mouths today, well, um, We're that's not okay. sorry. No, definitely not. <laughs> for for our viewers at home, uh, you, you know that Adaptivus, well, we used to call this Adaptivus Live, and it's not actually live. And not only is it not live, but it's taken us well over half an hour to start recording because we were talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, um, from a certain point of view, one might consider that completely normal. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anyway. So to start off, we're going to take a quick jaunt over to Cloud City, uh, by which I mean uh, Alassian Cloud Updates. And uh, we've got we've got a bunch. We have like seven different sections here. So we'll start off with the the broad Atlassian cloud. Uh, first off, um, a while back, um, probably almost a couple of years now, uh, Atlassian introduced the opportunity to uh, um, have like a sandbox, this you know sort of development environment of cloud. Probably more than two years now. It's you know pandemic time. Um, you can now view actions made in the sandbox through the audit log, uh, track those activities see previous actions, uh, et cetera. Just go to your organization administration and from the security tab in the top, um, you can navigate to that audit log, uh, which is nice. You know, have that for the sandbox. It's also been a minor, some minor UI improvements um, to overall you know, project pages. Uh, first off, uh, finally, at long last, uh, thank the force. Uh, we've got powered by Confluence at the bottom of the screen. Um, that's obviously been really um, bugging me for a while. So I'm really glad if we have that, when you click on it, it takes you to Confluence. Um, also, we've got a connected space or page. The icon and UI has been updated for that. Um, the information's all still there, but some um, labels have been removed to improve readability. It's just to declutter it a little bit and, and make it a little bit more readable. So um, yay. When you're focusing on the Jira platform that lowers you down into the Carbonite, single line and multi-line text fields have been renamed just for clarification, to short text and paragraph. So this is just aligning terminology across project types. If you make a custom field that is in a company-managed project, uh, it's going to match the terminology that they're using in team-managed projects. Both project types are going to use short text for a single line and a paragraph for multi-line texts. You may only choose one. Over in Jira Software, releases experience has been improved for Jira Software projects. Um, Atlassian has uplifted using the force. The releases experience tidying things up and made minor changes to the layout of the page. The new experience is similar in terms of functionality, but Atlassian have rewritten the code so that it can be maintained more easily and added to in the future. Alassian have also removed the option to trigger a Bamboo build when you release a Jira version. Bamboo and Jira software integrations will continue to work, but you'll need to run your builds directly in Bamboo rather than via a Jira release. That seems a little bit like a step back. It does. I really enjoyed being able to run a release. I do this on-prem, running a release from Jira 
so that you, you had the sort of the data through there. And then as the product manager, like it was something that was just very, um, sort of approachable for me. Um, you know, so it sort of gave me that role of release manager. Uh, so it, it does seem weird to remove this. I, I wonder what the, the rationale was, uh, I'm, I'm very curious about it. Obviously there is no bamboo cloud, right? So based on the wording here, I assume this is referring to the recent um, introduction of the connection between Jira Software Cloud and Bamboo On-Prem. So they've added that connection, but then they've removed. I mean, I would think from a pro product or project management standpoint that you'd want to be able to go back through the issues in a release, look at all the information, make sure it's all good, and then click the button. But maybe if, uh, we, if you're listening... Yeah. We have we know questions. We got the stats. We, <laughs> we know. We know you guys are listening. We would love for you to reach out to us. Um, I'm sure you had very relevant, good reasons. And and inquiring minds just want to know. Plus, you know, we could talk about the book of Boba Fett. Always happy to do that with you. <laughs> you may not have a choice. Continuing on in the world of Jira software. Uh, new settings for completed epics on your roadmap. You can now define how many completed issues appear on your timeline using the new issue display range function in the view settings menu. You can set your timeline to show completed parent level issues from the last one, three, six, nine, or 12 months. You can also choose to hide all completed parent level issues. I'm sure Luke Skywalker would also like to hide his parent issues. <laughs> oh. Too soon? Too soon. No. Great. <laughs> In team-managed projects, you can now set up new statuses without leaving the workflow editor. If you add a new status in the workflow editor, you can now assign it to a board column straight away. You can choose to keep your new status hidden or drag and drop it to a column so it's visible on your board and backlog. And in project pages, you can connect a project with a page. Um, Atlassian have updated project pages so that it's possible to connect a single Confluence page rather than an entire space. You can do this by selecting the connect to different space or a page icon represented by two arrows. In Jira service management, uh, you can add, edit, or even delete comments and insight, uh, provided you have the permission to edit an object. So if you've got edit permissions, you can then um, also deal with comments. Uh, you can also edit or delete any existing comments. Uh, you do this by selecting activity and then comments in the object view. And in Jira Service Management, there are some new uh, approvals, uh, or rather a, a new approvals configuration experience. So the way that you configure your approval steps in Jira Service Management should become easier. This is rolling out new this week. And as is so often the case, that means I have no idea what this looks like or means. It is, of course, not on my instance yet. So if you are uh, a Jira Service Management uh, user in cloud, uh, keep an eye out for uh, some improvements to configuring to prove some improvements to configuring approval steps. Over in Jira Work Management, you can now embed the list view in Confluence um, using Smart Links, a richer way to jump to hyperspace. I mean, to hyperlink your team's work in other Atlassian products such as Confluence. Instead of seeing just a URL, you can now view your project's work in the list view. Simply paste the business project's list view link into the editor and it will create a smart link. You can now embed the list calendar and timeline view. 
You can, you will also now see text highlighted when using search. So when you search within the board view of your business project, the free text search now highlights the phrase found for issue summary, assignee, or issue key. That is delightful. I appreciate that tremendously. Over in Confluence, it's almost like magic. But if you type into your browser URL, make.page, okay, the dot being the actual period button, um, it will create a Confluence page just right off the bat. The page will be created in your personal space and you can start editing right away. So I dare you to type make.page into your browser right now. And what's going to happen? Well, um, probably going to stop listening to this podcast. If uh, you listen yeah. to it in the browser, that would be a shame. So open up a new tab first. But oh, yeah, um, open. There you go. <laughs> it's very, it's very AOL, right? Like uh, having those browser, you know, bar keywords you could type in. I just love that what Atlassian has done is they've gone out and they've bought the domain make.page, and then they've built in effectively a redirect and an automation so you can make pages. I'll be very curious to see how many people actually use this. I suspect like so many hotkeys, uh, it will be hidden and forgotten about. The people who use it will love it. I just, I can, I can just imagine being the person at Lassie who made this happen. Like if it was me, I'd just be tickled. Like it's just, it's a fun, neat, cool idea. Uh, person at Lassian who came up with this, like we need to have a drink, man. Or a woman, <laughs> I don't know. It's brilliant. It's so good. Meet us in Mos Eisley. It's, del it's delightful. Now, if you have access to more than one Confluence instance, I am curious as to which one mm -hmm. it, it selects. Mm -hmm. Like this is something I, I'm interested to see how it works because uh, even force magic has its limitations. And last in the cloud, uh, first off, we'll note Compass uh, from point A. Uh, updates for that have now been added to sort of the overall cloud release notes blog, uh, one of the things that we look at. So it's kind of neat to see Compass making its way into that sort of official channel. And new this week, rolling out the ability to display metrics on components. So you can now create and connect metrics to the components and display them on the overview page, which then helps you track performance and that of their owner teams. Uh, I am in our cloud instance looking at Compass, uh, which is still in alpha, like it's not even in beta, um, which is why it's particularly kind of neat to see that the release has made it to the official channel. And I'm trying to like figure out, I, I'm guessing... What they mean by these metrics uh, is what they also call scorecards. Maybe it's not the scorecard because the scorecard is like a checklist of things you could have. I can't see anything else that says the word metrics. I can apply a scorecard. Um, but I think that's just sort of like a, a, yeah, service. There's a service readiness scorecard. I don't know if creating new scorecards, like custom ones. I don't know if that is the way. Um, I don't know if there's some other thing that I should be doing, but... It is the uh, way. It's also incredibly likely that uh, it hasn't rolled out to me yet, and there will be an option called metrics. So be curious to see what the options are there if it's completely custom. Uh, if you are in the Compass Alpha, you know, this is publishing on Friday. By then, maybe we'll have access to it. Otherwise, we'll circle back around next week. Before we completely leave the atmosphere of Cloud City, you can now learn what's new in Jira Cloud with in-product release notes. And much like Din Jaren's heavily customized N1 Starfighter, this was a thing you didn't know you needed until you had it. You can now see what's new in Jira without leaving Jira. 
this is really fantastic. So um, release notes are contextual based on what features are delivered to your JIRA site. Specifically, you'll be able to view the, th the most recent three months of feature announcements, improvements, bug fixes, experiments, and more. To do this, log into your JIRA site, select help or the question mark from the top navigation bar and select find out what's changed in JIRA. You will see what's changed in your JIRA software, JIRA service management, or JIRA work management products directly from that help menu. These notes will be published when a change has rolled out to your specific JIRA site. You can filter, sort, and view updates from the past three months, as I said earlier. This allows you to stay up to date with the latest and greatest from Atlassian. You can easily find out about new features and improvements. You will not have to wait and wonder when does the change hit your JIRA site? You will be able to see it exactly once it's rolled out. Um, and this allows you to stay in context and focused on your work. You won't have to worry about creating a new tab, switching over to Google, looking for the support website, finding the release notes to see what the latest developments are. It's blazing fast, just like that Starfighter. Fun fact, over 90,000 people viewed JIRA's in-product release notes the first week alone. That is a fun fact. I approve wholeheartedly. So uh, yeah, check check out those in-product release notes. I think that's pretty spiffy. You know, another way that you could uh, keep up to date with Atlassian release notes in context is by listening to this podcast. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. I... Turning to on-prem applications, uh, very brief notes this this week, uh, this two-week period. Uh, Service Desk 4.21.1 and Jira Software 8.21.1, exact same update. Uh, there was a, a bug release. The summary is Jira dashboard gadgets failed to load on Chrome, specifically versions uh, 97 and 98 of Chrome. Uh, of course, I closed... Chrome before we started the podcast because I was trying to save resources and I can't open it and see what version I'm on. Looks like 97 was released on January 4th. So it's a relatively recent version. My guess is if you've updated Chrome, the latest version is probably fine. But if you're on that older one, uh, maybe I'll have to update Jira. And that is the only uh, release in these versions of uh, Jira Service Desk and Jira Software. Well, while the JIRA on-prem updates may be a little slim, Confluence 7.16.0 is a nice beefy point or a, a nice beefy release, including the ability to clean up historical data automatically, uh, allowing you to set policies of how long you want to retain historical data around number of versions, age of versions, et cetera. A scheduled job will delete excess in small batches so as not to impact your site's performance. By default, this job runs every 10 minutes, so take some time to plan your retention rule strategy before you set the rule. Uh, historical versions and trash will be permanently deleted almost immediately, so just a, a word of caution before you go in um, guns blazing on that one. You'll have a lot of flexibility around that, and you can delegate the cleanup responsibilities. You can allow rules to be configured in space tools for each space. So the space administrators who know the content well could be the ones doing this cleanup, or you can restrict the responsibility just to system admins. Uh, so this could be set for your whole site or on a space-by-space -space basis using exemptions. You'll have faster permission checks for complex sites. There are situations where Confluence might need to check the current user's permissions in order to determine what to display. 
Uh, for example, to render the task report macro, we need to find all the pages with a task assigned to the user, check they have permissions to see the spaces and the pages the task appears on. These checks can consume a lot of memory and can make some parts of Confluence load slowly, especially if you are someone with complex permissions. The faster permissions service changes the way permissions information is stored, which allows Confluence to check permissions on a large number of pages more quickly, uh, can be a significant performance improvement in sites with a lot of content and complex permissions. So that's very cool. You can use multiple identity providers. You can now configure multiple SAML or OpenID Connect identity providers for single sign-on. Um, you can go, you go to the um, gear icon, general configuration authentication methods, which was formerly SSO 2.0. Check that out. If you enable more than one authentication method, your users will see a login page with the available options and you can customize the button labels to suit your team's terminology. You can block basic authentication, uh, preventing people from authenticating with a username and password, forcing them to go the SSO route. You can exclude spaces from the data pipeline, allowing you to export Confluence data for analysis in your favorite business intelligence tool. Uh, by adding them to an opt-out list. Useful if you don't need to report on particular spaces or if they contain sensitive content you don't want to export. A number of issues have been resolved. Um, for full details of all of the bugs, check out the link that we will post in the show notes. One key one to call out is that support has at long last been added for SQL Server 2019. For those of you who are running on SQL Server 2017, mainstream support for that ends in about seven months. So you'll want to make your upgrade plans for upgrading SQL Server to at least 2019. And uh, and then the new version of Confluence will support it. However, uh, that compatibility will not be backported to uh, the Confluence 7.13 long-term support version. Uh, so FYI, I guess. Um, make your upgrade plans now. <laughs> Right. A few weeks ago on the podcast, we talked about the acquisition of ALM Works by Tempo Software, and we said that we would reach out to the crew to discuss the, the news. Well, the crew responded, and they responded in a big way. So it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the Atlassian Ecosystem podcast today the CEO of Tempo Software, Mark Lorian. Hello, hello. Thanks for the invite. Such a pleasure. The general manager of ALM Works, Igor Sereda. Hey, thanks for having me. Frequent guest, longtime friend of the podcast. Nice to see you. And last but of certainly not least, Latif Nanji, the general manager of Roadmonk. Welcome, Latif. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for taking the time to discuss this major move in the Atlassian ecosystem. Um, and the first question that we are just dying to, to know is from, from you, Mark, when Tempo was looking at its future, how did you decide to link the time tracking with the project management solutions that ALM and Roadmonk provide? Yeah, it's a good question, Ryan. We've we've known the businesses and Latif and Igor for a very long time. Um, we've been uh, partners and kind of working uh, in conjunction with some shared customers for, for quite some time. And what we have realized is that most Tempo time management customers are using Tempo in conjunction with road mapping and project management tools, right? Most people tend to 
um, plan and budget and track their time around projects. And it was very natural for us to, to be integrating with project management tools in various capacities um, out there. And when we looked, um, you know, it looked like a number of our customers were already using us in conjunction with uh, the ALM work structure product line or road monk, and they were planning and budgeting and tracking their time against some of those projects. And we wanted to be able to offer our customers um, opportunities to have pro uh, tighter product integrations. And we thought bringing the products and the teams into the business would be the best way to do that. And over time, we anticipate having more integrated versions that would be available for our partners uh, and for our customers alike. So there's a lot of moving pieces to this, right? Like for you know, eagerly teeth, like you're coming in, there's, uh, you know, the financials of acquisition, but there's also the culture pieces. There's the, the working together. So like when this process began, you all have known each other for a long time. Um, and, and Mark, you said you were looking at this, but for eagerly teeth, like how'd the process start for you and, and kind of like, what got this ball rolling? Well, I think it always starts with, the leadership teams sitting down and discussing what their vision for the future is. And when Tempo and Mark came to us and they talked about how they wanted their customers to be more thoughtful in their strategic approaches to which projects they were picking, which initiatives they were going to work on and how that data was going to play a role in that. That was very compelling for us because we didn't have access to that data, but that was what our customers were asking for. So that was a really big piece of the early conversations about how we would be able to overlap, talk about our products working together, and see that future where we could get um, greater than the sum of the individual parts if they were to be standing alone. And that really propelled some really interesting discussions. And to your point, when talking about culture, when we sat down with the team um, in Montreal and we looked at how they thought about decision makings their process around decisions or collaboratively bringing in their teams, there was an element there that just felt different from other companies that we had spoken to. And when I went back to my, the rest of my leadership team, we were glowing. We felt like this was going to be such a great fit. And in the last few months, that's absolutely paid off. And we believe that the work that we're doing together at the partnership level um, as they have uh, certain elements of their go-to-market that are not in our business so that we can leverage and vice versa, um, we're off to a running start. And that's something that I've always wanted to do when being in a situation where there's an acquisition and a merger uh, of two companies. So we've really found a great new home in that regard. For us, um, Tempo and Structure tools were actually... Uh, talking to each other before the leadership teams was talking to each other, right? So we had some integrations done in the past. Then it happened so that Mark and I live very close to each other. So we uh, started meeting for, you know, talking business. And then this notion of, right, maybe we can join forces came up. And as I was thinking about this, you know, what's my purpose, what I'm trying to achieve and the, goal for Ellen Works has been empowering project managers for, for, you know, for a long time. We're trying to, you know, make life a little more easy, more efficient for all these folks. And uh, just globally considering what can we achieve as 
ALM works separately and what we can achieve as a part of this larger organization, it makes so much difference. And I already see how you know products can amplify each other. But you also mentioned the culture, and that was a, a very important point. Like I, I be honest, I didn't go to this easy, uh, you know, an easy way. I made sure that you know we're all aligned and uh I, I've seen, I met uh, Mark, obviously, but also his um, uh, leadership team at Tempo. And now I'm getting to know more and more people at Tempo, and they're just great. So the culture fit is there. So I'm very, uh, very, very hopeful and uh, excited about our joint future. Yeah. And also just, you know, thank you, Igor and Latif. You guys have been phenomenal business partners. I, I really underscore that cultural point. Um, it's just a, it's an absolute pleasure to see the teams working together and, and partnering together. And, you know, we already shared a lot of shared, you know, business partners, and customers, but I think even the way that people go about working, we are becoming one organization with the, you know, a real goal of changing the way that our customers plan and track their work. And we think, you know, better integrating the planning side of how decisions are made and the, the tracking and understanding of capacity and exposing capacity in the earlier planning phases of work, we think is going to change the way that companies um, run their projects and they run product roadmaps. We think there's a huge opportunity there. So you've made it very clear that all of you have a strong customer focus, and I, I'm grateful to hear that you really know your your customer base well. Um, so to kind of follow along with that, Mark, how will this affect your existing customers and your new ones? Uh, well, it should be seamless for existing customers. You know, I think over time it'll be you know it'll be kind of single points of contact for customers and partners alike because we've got a broader portfolio and. We'll have the ability to communicate solutions and support customers and partners um, equally as our teams now are going through the process of becoming trained internally on the full portfolio, um, both supporting existing products. And then as we begin introducing points of integration, we'll have the teams trained on those, those joint solutions and new offers. Um, and we believe that you know if, if we do our job right, it should be seamless for customers and partners. And then over time, um, be even more valuable because they'll get more of that value from these sort of single points of contact and single points of experience. Excellent, thank you. All right, so we're we're kind of nerds. I'll I'll just come right out and say it. So, are there some things, some integration points, some features that customers can be looking forward to in the in the coming months, years that you can kind of give us a little taste of some exciting uh, buttons to click for to make our lives a little easier. Yeah. Although Ryan, you did say that we had to be limited in our time. So you're talking to a number of, <laughs> of other nerds and geeks on the call here that love this stuff. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll let, you know, Latif and Igor, you guys should jump in. But as was said, like the teams had already been working together, even before those of us kind of started working um, with each other, kind of look for data points that could be naturally shared. In some cases, um, Ryan, that will be you know, kind of product to product. In other cases, one of the things that we all share is a love um, and kind of um, circling around JIRA, right? So um, even Latif's Roadmonk product line, which is not offered in the Atlassian marketplace, has a beautiful integration with JIRA. So being able to use and have data flow through all of our products through JIRA up into the, um, you know, the different pieces of software, I think gives 
uh, more insight into customers using it. But maybe Igor and Latif want to comment a little bit about that information, what they think might be seen over time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on, guys. Let's hear it. Absolutely. I think, you know, obviously the regular future disclaimers around timing and such, but some of the work that's being done in the background is looking at how our customers and Tempo's customers overlap with respect to capacity and time management and how that data flows up from a tracking perspective into roadmaps and prioritization models. And so what does it look like as a, just sort of as a kind of a template use case is, hey, I'm investing in this initiative with this ROI. How much time am I investing building this? And what does that kind of look like in the future from an ROI and maintenance point of view? Usually you do that kind of work and you, you know, guesstimate what it might look like, but now you're actually being able to look at it from a product portfolio management more intensively. And so, so these are some of the projects that we're exploring from a design perspective, looking at how those details will flush out, but that would be a teaser of what might be next to come in terms of an integration in the future. Yeah, and from from structures perspective, uh, you know we are focused on the visibility on providing uh, the in, in ingesting data into structure, then letting the user um, reflect how they work in their workspaces using you know flexible configurations, metrics, and whatnot. So the more data we can get in, the better. And so we can see a case where something um, like a high-level plan comes from Roadmonk, gets uh, you know sucked into structure, then it gets broken down into the specific initiatives and work, then it gets informed by the time tracking, uh, team capacity information or costs from the tempo side, and it gets tracked over time. Uh, you have some metrics that inform your, uh, you know, how you change, uh, um, uh, how you go, your decisions, and then it gets rolled up and reported to back to the high-level teams. Yeah, I'll, uh, Ryan, I'll put a plug in uh, for Adaptivist and other partners and customers out there. I mean, we're, you know, in sort of true product and product management form, really interested in talking with partners and customers about how to prioritize that work. Um, you know, we have a number of different models that we're pursuing right now, but also looking for, you know, some early partners and customers to help us prioritize that work and to figure out the best way to design that and to bring those solutions. You know, I think over time, we believe that we want our customers to have, um, to be able to sort of look at the portfolio of potential investments, whether that's a product initiative or a project, and how should they best allocate their limited capacity or team um, to get that work done. And you know, our belief is that there's going to be some really interesting solutions in that lane, but we'd love to use customer and partner feedback to help prioritize that. Well, Mark, um, we happen to know some people at Adaptivist, so we'll yeah. make sure that you're connected. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and before we close, I just want to congratulate all of you. Like, this is very exciting, um, and it's it's wonderful to see um, the growth, you know, in the ecosystem at large for your companies. Uh, Mark, I was actually uh, years ago um, uh, at an Atlassian office in San Francisco when they got this lovely collection of cakes 
sent to them by Tempo to celebrate their first million dollars in sales. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's really exciting to to connect with the three of you today and, and celebrate, you know, another sort of milestone, another step in this journey of of growth. And I particularly have a heart for project and portfolio management and um, making that easier for people because um, it's it it isn't often. And mm-hmm. anything we could do to to help people focus on their work instead of having to to wrestle with the tools, I think is all to the good. Um, so so kudos to all of you. I think this is just really exciting. Well, thank you, Matthew. We're, we're building a cake together, right? There's different layers of <laughs> cake and frosting, you know, that are coming together with the broadening um, portfolio of products that we have. And we, we think we can deliver some really great and remarkable value to our partners and customers. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You made me hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now, all I can think about is this raspberry layer cake, but we'll come back to that another time. Mark Lorian, Igor Sereda, and Natif Nanji, thank you all so much for joining us on the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And if you want to hear more uh, from Adaptivist, Tempo, and other partners like AppFire and SmartBear, we will be at Team 22. So Atlassian's Team 22 coming up at the beginning of April. Uh, if you haven't already gotten your tickets, made the plans to get out to Vegas for the first in-person Atlassian conference we've been able to have for years. I don't even know how many years at this point, uh, but it's, it's exciting. The day before Team 22 kicks off, We are having App Day 2022 on April 5th. So we will link to a LinkedIn post. There's a sort of like a save the date on there. And uh, Adaptivist, AppFire, SmartBear, Tempo, which now means, you know, included our friends at Alienworks and Roadbunk, uh, will be there so you can uh, learn more about the apps and what's coming next uh, as we all work together to make the Atlassian ecosystem even better. And finally, some news from Adaptivist. We have expanded into a galaxy far, far away called the Benelux region. (laughs) Adaptivist actually incorporated an office in in Amsterdam. So uh, I'm looking forward to visiting that office someday, hopefully maybe soon. And we are looking forward to supporting customers across the Benelux region with expert consultancy, uh, and of course, our world-class apps, but we're here to support enterprise agile, DevOps, ITSM, migrations, and more across a g- growing portfolio of technology platforms. So if you or someone you know is hanging out in the Benelux region, come say hi to Adaptivist. Yeah, Might be worth noting, I'd never heard Benelux before. It's I, true. I am realizing that that is Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg, but that might not be a term people are familiar with. Yeah. Ah, fair. And the the fair. headline really highlights um, the Netherlands, which is this, this group of area. So another fun fact from this blog post I wasn't aware of, uh, Simon, our, our CEO, um, had this blog post and it states, the Netherlands technology market is the 13th biggest in the world with spending on software and outsourcing services growing at a faster rate than that of the other top six EU economies. Like that is stunning to me. Um, really just 
And they that's like the funnest of facts. We've had some good fun <laughs> that's facts. Such a fun fact. <laughs> oh man, the facts have been very it's fun. A theme. Mm-hmm. You should theme every episode of Star <laughs> Wars with all this fun that we're having. Uh, yeah, and it clearly with the such a big growing economy, they obviously need the three of us to show up and do stuff, right? In the Netherlands, I think so. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. Oh, I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Well, that's all we have for this episode, folks. Thanks for sticking with us through all of our Star Wars jokes, uh, reporting live, but not really from the Mos Eisley Cantina. On behalf of Protocol Droid, Ryan Spilkan, and Cad Bane, Matthew Stubblefield, I am Ahsoka Tano slash Brenda Burl. Um, please like and share this podcast wherever you like and share fine podcasts thanks again for listening this is the atlassian ecosystem podcast part of the adaptivist live network of podcasts yeah file that one under i don't care what you smell get in there 